taking up the sword of Christian theology and the shield of classic apologetics. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, brought to you by BellatorChristie.com. Now join your hosts, Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo, as we step into the arena of ideas. Taking up the sword of Christian theology and the sword, uh, shield of classic apologetics while uh, taking truth into the arena of ideas. This is the Bellator Christie Podcast, and uh, this is your host, Brian Chilton, and uh, also Curtis Evelo as well. We'll bring him on in just a few moments. Uh, we want to, first of all, welcome you to Season 6, Episode 1 of the Bellator Christie Podcast. We've got a lot of great things in store for you this this uh, year. Uh, we're looking to have a discussion on soteriology. And that's the study of salvation. We're also going to uh, later this year have a discussion on theology proper, uh, which is the study of God. And we'll talk about the knowledge and revelation of God. Uh, We've got a lot of great things on tap uh, on this discussion because we're going to talk about how do we know God exists? And furthermore, uh, how, how do we know that God has spoken to us? Does God still speak to us? Uh, these are all things we're going to discuss on the Bellator Christie podcast coming up. But we first start things off with a discussion on the Holy Spirit. And so uh, we'll get started uh, on today's topic, uh, which is asking the question, who is the Holy Spirit? But before we get into that, we want to let you know that uh, we are starting something new this year on the Bellator Christie podcast. We are going to have... Um, we're going to be live streaming the podcast on on Facebook Live, and the goal is to eventually get uh, on YouTube. Uh, we're having technical difficulties on the first episode, uh, getting attached to uh, or getting linked into the YouTube account. So we will just see how this season progresses, and that just seems the way we're going right now. <laughs> But before we move on, I do want to ask your prayers tomorrow. Tomorrow is a big day for me. Uh, Tomorrow I will have the uh, opportunity uh, to uh, defend my dissertation. Um, And so looking forward to that. So I just ask, if you will, uh, to keep me in prayer uh, tomorrow morning around 9 o'clock Eastern time. And so I'd greatly appreciate that. So uh, be be sure to keep me in prayer tomorrow. And uh, so... Curtis, you know what? I think we've I think I figured out this volume thing as we've gone along. So thank the Lord for that. But well, let's introduce a man who needs no introduction, the man, the myth, the legend from Montana, ATV fantasy champion, Mr. The One and Only Curtis Evelo. <laughs> well, thanks, Brian. Yeah. Yeah. We- it's been a long time. We've kind of been off uh, off air for a little while. Took a little bit of a sabbatical and uh, got some things prepped and, and ready to go for this next season, uh, next series here. So, um, yeah, it's uh, this is going pretty good. I'm liking it. Um, but I want to encourage folks to um, pay attention to we're entering into now on the Jewish calendar um, the high holy days. We're, we're coming into a time period where it's the new year, so you're going to have uh, uh, Rosh Hashanah, so it's a celebration of the trumpets, and, and you're going to have these things. And then there's going to be a span of some days. They call it the Days of Awe, and it's the Days of Introspection and, and some time to um, – consider yourself and in 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 their understanding it's it's consider yourself before god and then um 
we also have the the last day it culminates with the day of atonement uh yom kippur so yeah it's um it's something to be aware of something to maybe look into and and just um maybe understand that um we are part of that we we tend to um try to try to separate some of that but christianity was birthed out of the roots of of judaism and um some of these festivals and holidays um really we don't need to become legalistic with it but it is a fun time to look at the celebrations and actually join in and i'm telling you man it just gets you so excited your heart just gets warmed with it and and you get to you know like we're gonna have some uh, food at church this Sunday, that are uh, that's celebrating Rosh Hashanah. So we'll have some Rosh Hashanah type food. Um, it'll be it'll be fun to uh, uh, take it in, and and we'll have the shofar blowing at church, and it's gonna be a good time. So yeah, and uh, you know it's I don't know it's one of those things. I think um, as we as we check into those or celebrate into those too with them we also find ourselves having a connection in our hearts um yearn to be able to share christ with our uh jewish brothers i'm just amazed uh i'm just uh amazed how well you said rosh hashanah <laughs> that's a lot of that's a lot of shushes there <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but you you remember who my you remember who my teacher was on that, right? Well, th- this is true. I'm I'm just I'm just amazed at uh, how you said it. That sounds pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he didn't teach me how to blow the shofar though, so I uh, just have to let that one go. <laughs> well, we got some good stuff to talk about. We're going to talk today about the who is the Holy Spirit. So as we start off this uh, new new season uh, talking about pneumatology. So uh, this pneumatology course is the study of the Holy Spirit or the study of the Spirit in general. And so we've got some great podcasts. Hopefully, you know, bear with us. And and we want to tell our folks, uh, if you're watching us on Facebook Live, if you have a question, you know, type it in the chat bar. We probably don't have, won't have an opportunity to uh, deal with it necessarily through the podcast because we usually have a lot of stuff we discuss. Uh, but we will certainly if we uh, we'll certainly try to answer it toward the end of the podcast yeah. and if we, if it's where we can't this time we'll uh we'll handle those questions at the first of the next one so if you have questions be sure to type them in and let us know yep so i suppose um we could get we could kick this off with the first um first question there brian and and i'd like to maybe before we dig into um the question of who um maybe we need to ask what is a spirit let's start with that and try to um help our listeners um maybe understand what's what's being said there absolutely great question spirit uh, is the translation of uh, two terms in scripture in the old testament uh, the hebrew word is ruach uh, it's used for spirit uh it, it ruach it means wind breath or life force in the New Testament, uh, there's a word that, that uh, has very similar connotations to the Hebrew version, and this word is pneuma. Uh, pneuma also means wind, breath, or life force. Um, scripture uses uh, the Spirit in, in poetic forms of describing deliverance, such as 2 Samuel 22, verse 16, Psalm 18, 15, or, or even concerning judgment. 
and Psalm 148.7 and various other passages of Scripture. Uh, the Spirit can show God working through wind. In fact, uh, sometimes God's judgment is, is shown by the, His Spirit moving forward like a wind. Scripture also sh- sometimes uh, portrays the Spirit of God as God's breath or the Spirit in general as God's breath. Israel's prophets also warned that idols lacked breath. They they lacked lacked a actual life force in contrast to to Yahweh, who who not only controlled life, he controlled the winds. You know, so Hebrew poetry also portrays Yahweh as one riding on the wind. Wind meaning uh, from the word ruach, also meaning uh, spirit as well. Um, so uh, wind was sometimes associated with God's presence. Uh, and so this, one of the things I find fascinating as we talk about this, a lot of times people draw the distinction of saying that uh, the whole notion of spirit was not found in Hebrew literature. That's just simply not true. Some people want to say it's a later Greco invention, but when you take a look at the word ruach used in the scriptures, now yeah, sometimes soul can mean the wholeness of an individual, but there's still this sense of it being a life force, and and again, that word is it greatly parallels with the New Testament usage of of pneuma. Uh, the term ruach can uh, can hold a variety of meanings, including a person's emotions, desire or will, their strength, their moral condition or disposition. Uh, but but essentially, that ruach means that person's life force, and so that's a that's a, that's an important thing to draw forth. Um, as it pertains to spirit and the life beyond, we don't have as much details. We don't have as many details in the Old Testament as we do in the New, but we have sufficient evidence, I think, to suggest that that uh, the early Hebrews understood that life continued beyond the scope of this one. Now there were some variant variants that may not. I mean, it grew into like the the uh, Sadducees later on, but. But N.T. Wright and other scholars have, have uh, I think, successfully argued that uh, Sheol may have been understood to be compartmentalized. Uh, and, and we see Jesus' understanding of this in the parable of the rich man and Lazarus, um, that, that the righteous went to the a paradise, the abode of God, the abode of the righteous, and the unrighteous went to an abode, a shadowy realm, uh, uh, an abode, uh, so it's someplace distinctly different from necessarily uh, the other compartment of of the afterlife. So, again, this is to, to go to go in depth with that whole issue is beyond the scope of what we have time to discuss today. But I think perhaps the best definition of spirit, I like to say, is a personal energy. Now we know energy as uh, all different forms, the ability to do work in in different forms, such as electricity or wind or, or the movement of water. Um, water is, you know, in, in hydroelectric turbines, the flow of water, it turns the, the turbine and it, it generates electricity. But the type of energy we're talking about here isn't an immaterial energy or an impersonal energy. It would be a personal energy, a life force. A, 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 uh, it would be something that had a consciousness mind, will, and emotions. And so it's interesting, the Scripture tells us that God is spirit. He is, uh, he is immaterial. 
Uh, and yet he has a mind, will, and emotions, and he can do certain things. And I, that's why I love Thomas Aquinas's definition of God being pure act. That is, that God is pure existence, and he's the only being in, in all of heaven, earth, hell, whatever the case may be, in all of reality, God is the only being that is absolute pure existence. And I love that definition from Aquinas, and I think he nails it on the head. Mm-hmm. Yeah. See, it's interesting, but I mean, we we really don't have time to dig any deeper into that. But, um, you know, there are times where um, even in the Old Testament, you know, um, it's talked about, uh, you know, for example, the dry bones. He says to um, speak to them and then, you know, the, the they come alive, the dry bones come alive. But he tells them the wind the Ruach. Yeah. It's, it's so there are plenty of times in there that that does say that I feel. I agree. Um so let's uh let's ask then who is the Holy Spirit and how does scripture identify him? So the Holy Spirit and, and we're going to have a whole podcast on the issue of the personality of the Holy Spirit which I think is a very important discussion to be had. Uh, the Holy Spirit is not an it It's a he. Uh, The Spirit is a he. It's a person. So this is the personal, active, moving presence of God in the world. Uh, The Father, you can think of being, and I think uh, Norman Geisler uses this distinction, the Father is the mind and the source of all that exists. Uh, He is transcendent and otherworldly, and for that reason and because of the immensity of his power, the Bible tells us that no person could look at the face of the Father and and exist, or not exist, but and live. Uh, Even when Moses approached the presence of God, when he saw uh, people in the Old Testament, when they saw God in some form, they thought they were dead where they were stood because you're not supposed to see God because the immensity of His holiness and power. So the Father is a total otherness. Um, And like the Father, the Son existed for all eternity. Uh, the Son, otherwise known as the Lagos, took on flesh by being incarnate as Jesus of Nazareth, who was the eternal Lagos. They are the one and the same. But like the Father and Son, the Holy Spirit is also eternal. Uh, however, the Holy Spirit flows from both the Father and Son and is able to interact with the physical world. Now, Jesus is was able to interact in the physical world because he became incarnate. Um but Jesus has died, buried, resurrected, ascended to the right hand of God the Father. So there's a part of God that interacts with this world. It's a spirit, but that person who interacts with us, with the world, and even interacts with us, uh, is, is the one and same Holy Spirit. Uh, so, But he flows from the Father and the Son and interacts with the physical world. Um, so... The Spirit is often referenced in Scripture. In the Old Testament, we find the Holy Spirit mentioned in in three distinct ways. First of all, the Holy Spirit was an agent of creation. And this is the absolute amazing thing to consider, Curtis. I love this part, that the Spirit hovered over the waters at creation. And it's amazing to me to stop and consider that the same Spirit that was 
that hovered over creation, brought things from potential to actuality, lives and abides in our hearts yeah. and in our spirit. Yeah. He communes with us. And the same spirit that rose Jesus from the dead lives and abides within us. And that is just mind-boggling if we stop to consider that. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, so the first is uh, the, the Old Testament references the Holy Spirit as an agent of creation. You can see it in Genesis 1 2, Psalm 33 6, Ezekiel 37, verses 1 through 10. Uh, this Holy Spirit is also a source of inspiration and power. Um, the Holy Spirit became a vehicle of God's revelation and activity. Uh, think about Samson. Samson was a little bit irritating. I don't know that Samson would have been a guy that you'd necessarily want to hang around with because people told him something and he never would listen. <laughs> but but the Holy Spirit was able to use him anyhow. But, but yep. you know, the, that's, the hair that he had was a covenant that he had with God. But that's not what gave him the power. What gave right. him the power was the Spirit living and abiding in him. And... Um, up until the time of Jesus, the Spirit only came upon people in certain instances, but He didn't live and dwell with within people as He does now after the day of Pentecost. Um, mm-hmm. And so the third emphasis is on the Holy Spirit as God's presence in the covenantal community, and um, He is in many ways connected with the eschatological hope and the expectations of the sanctification of Israel. And we even see this in in the ministry of Jesus. Jesus understood the Spirit moving in and through His life and ministry to bring the kingdom of God to earth. People could take part in that kingdom. And amazingly enough, that He was going to bring the end time. That kingdom was going to eventually rule over uh, the entire world. And it's coming. You know, it's, it's coming eventually. And... Um, mm. But in the New Testament, we really see a well-rounded view of the Spirit. Holy Spirit is mentioned in numerous ways, and I had to actually just stop after a while because uh, there's just so many things we can mention about the New Testament's identification of the Holy Spirit. He's mentioned as being the comforter, someone who is the paraclete, the one who's there by our side. He's the counselor. He gives us counsel in our time of need. He's our teacher. He's our guide. He empowered Jesus' ministry. He empowers the church's ministry. You know, without the power and presence of the Holy Spirit, we can do nothing. And that's so important for us to remember in this day and time. Uh, we, we talk about strategies. We talk about all this and that. But, Curtis, you know, you and I have talked about this before. I can't save anybody. I can't change a person's heart. Uh, I can't do that. The Holy Spirit is the one who does it. And that's, you know, even in discipleship, we've got to have the Holy Spirit's presence uh, to disciple people. So, you know, He's the empower. Um, he provides spiritual gifts. He ushers in the kingdom of God. He convicts us of sin. Oh, boy, don't you know that when we do something wrong, the Holy Spirit has a way of taking us to the woodshed pretty quickly, uh, letting us know that we, we got right off trouble. Yeah. <laughs> So ushers in the kingdom of God, convicts us, leads individuals to salvation. He's the seal of our redemption, advocate and witness, and the list could go on and on. Yeah. Yeah, you know, and the Holy Spirit, um, like you're saying, convicts us, but that's if we're willing. If we're willing to actually be moved by the Spirit or actually directed by the Spirit, it actually, um, yeah, 
Yeah, there's a lot there. Not to put on a rabbit trail, but if the Holy Spirit was over the chaos and the James Webb telescope is now revealing to us some of the perfection that is shown out further out than it's than it's than we've ever been able to see and every single one of those universes that they're saying or the galaxies they, yeah look uh, our galaxy they look um uniform they look smooth they look they don't look um like chaos <laughs> yeah pretty amazing pretty amazing stuff it is it, it's 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 having a major effect on on um early universe studies uh, like you said that and i'm really not prepared to go into all the the uh, nope. ramifications i will say this though um steve meyer i believe if i'm not mistaken steven meyer even mentioned this on uh, on uh, cross-examined this doesn't take away the fact that there was an origin of the universe and and a lot of this, some people are trying to say, well, this this means the universe is, didn't have a beginning. Well, no, that's not necessarily the case. Um, that's not necessarily the case at all. Uh, the the point that they're seeing is, like you said, that these that these galaxies are far more developed than they thought. What does that mean? And nobody can really come up with a good answer uh, for that right now. So this this is going to be very fascinating, I believe. So. Uh, yeah, like you said, the the universe, that this Holy Spirit spoke order to to the chaos. But but I think it's also important to understand that the universe itself came forth from God, that He spoke it into existence and it came about. And uh, that's just it's just amazing, mind boggling to consider yep. that He made every bit of this. Uh, it's just an amazing to consider. <laughs> yeah, amazing stuff. Back on track. Why is he called the Holy Spirit? So the official biblical name for the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Holiness or the Spirit of God. Uh, in the Old Testament, he's called the Ruach HaKadosh or the Spirit of the Yahweh. Uh, in the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is called the Numatas Hagiao or the Numato Hagiao uh, or the Spirit of Holiness as in Acts 2.4. Uh, the Spirit of God is directly linked with God's holiness, His presence. He's not corrupt, as are de demonic or worldly spirits. That's why He's called the Holy Spirit, because it's understood that there are other spirits out there, demonic spirits, who are vile. Um, but the Holy Spirit comes from God, so that means He is, uh, in fact, because He is God, that means He's pure, righteous, and holy, and He's the one who can be trusted. Yeah. So how does the Holy Spirit operate within the triune Godhead? I know the Trinity and triune uh, or the Trinity is not in the Bible. People are going to say that. But but evidences of the triune nature of God is in the in there countless times. Oh, yeah. Um, so in, in other words, how does he interact with the father and the son? Well, you know, first of all, to your point about the, the name Trinity, uh, you know, the word Bible isn't in the Bible, but that doesn't mean right. the Bible. <laughs> we obviously yeah. know we have a Bible, you know, and but but the point the point is is that uh, the, it seems the Scripture clearly, in my mind, clearly teaches uh, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit um, 
working together. So taking it as a whole, the Holy Spirit works in unison with the Father and Son. He flows from the Father and Son to reach individuals and to create. Uh, the late Norman Geisler provided a wonderful insight to the ministry of the Spirit and salvation while working with the Father and Son. He says the Father designed, like for the plan of salvation, he says the Father designed the plan of salvation, the Son executed the plan or initiated the plan, and the Spirit applies salvation uh, to to the uh, to each responsive individual. So the Father is like the architect, the um, the Son is the uh, 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 executor, I guess you could say, executing the plan, not executing people, but executing the plan. And uh, the uh, Spirit is the uh, applicator. Uh, he applies that salvation to responsive individuals. So in Jesus' ministry, we see that the Son followed the plan that the Father had established while being empowered by the Spirit to accomplish the task. And so even in the very nature of Jesus, you see the Son following the Father's command, but understanding that He could do nothing without the, the empowerment of the Spirit because He even tells people, here again, we'll talk about this later on, but He even tells people that, you know, you can be forgiven if you say something about me. You can even be forgiven if you say something about the Father. But don't commit the impardonable sin against the Holy Spirit. And that came from the, the, the point where they were trying to say that the ministry of Jesus was from Beelzebub instead of the Holy Spirit himself. So um, it's, it's a very fascinating thing in the life of Jesus is that you have Jesus following the command of the Father, but empowered by the Holy Spirit. Yeah, yeah, it, it's it's quite um, interesting to me um, the power that is um, displayed, or I should say, the um, the sense of awe that's displayed when John the Baptist is baptizing Jesus comes up and Jesus comes up out of the water, and right over the top of that dove rests on him is a symbol of the Holy Spirit, and you hear the Father claim this is my son in whom i am well pleased and jesus had done nothing yet mm -hmm. and yet and yet um he was being empowered he was being filled and he was walking in the in that uh in that destiny you could say um and then instantly it says the spirit drove him into the wilderness mm -hmm. so he so he was he was connected in such a way that he was one being empowered, two being driven, um, and, and it to me it it uh, it truly does display the triune nature of God at that moment. Oh, I agree wholeheartedly. So, um, is the Holy Spirit a person or merely a force of God? <laughs> So, as we mentioned before, we're going to have a whole podcast on this. Um, but I tell you what, I think to answer this question, we really need to look at, and we'll come back to this when we have the podcast uh, on uh, on the personality of the Holy, or the personal nature of the Holy Spirit. But let's take a look at Acts chapter five, verses one through eleven. Curtis, do you happen to have that on hand? If not, I've got a Bible no. back here. I tell you, give me just a second. Yeah, me, I'll get. I'll it. it I got give right a here. second here. Bam, sword drill done. I about knocked over my tea. 
you know the sword drills back in grade school, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I won by a long ways. <laughs> well, I think you're going to win this time, too, because I'm not even anywhere close. Uh, yeah, maybe so what are we at? Actually... I lied. I was right. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Acts chapter 5, <laughs> verses 1 through 11. And notice, mm-hmm. notice especially verse 4. Okay. I'm going to read it out of the ESV just because that's what I have here in my hands here. Okay. So, but an, a man named Ananias with his wife, Sapphira, sold a piece of property. And with his wife's knowledge, he kept back for himself some of the profit, some of the proceeds and brought only a part of it and laid it at the apostles' feet. But Peter said, Ananias, why has Satan filled your heart with a lie? As you lied to the Holy Spirit and kept back for yourself a part of the proceeds of the land. While it, while it remained unsold, did it not remain your own? And after it was sold, was it not at your disposal? Why is it that you have contrived this deed in your heart? You have not lied to man, but to God. Okay, now hold, hold, on, just, just, heard these hold, words. hold on just one second. Now look back at verse 3. Okay. He said, Why has Satan filled your heart to lie to the Holy Spirit? And then look what he says in, back in verse 4. Mm-hmm. Verse four, You have not lied to people, but to God. So, um, mm-hmm. go, I go ahead and read the rest of it there, Curtis, but, but that that really is, is, the, is okay. the critical point of this of this lesson. Yep. And it says, when Ananias heard these words, he fell down and breathed his last. And a great fear came upon him and all and all who heard of it. So it wasn't just him. It was all that heard of it. The young men rose and wrapped him up, carried him out and buried him. After an uh, interval uh, of about three hours, his wife came in, not knowing what had happened. And then Peter said to her, tell me whether you sold the land for so much. And she said, yes, for this much. But Peter said to her, how is it that you have agreed together to test the spirit of the Lord? Behold, the feet of those who have buried your husband are at the door and they will carry you out. And immediately she fell down at his feet and breathed her last. When the young men came in, they found her dead and they carried her out and buried her beside her husband. And a great fear came upon the whole church and upon all who heard of these things. I imagine so. Absolutely. So we see from this passage of Scripture that the Holy Spirit is identified with a person. He's identified with God. And we see that there were dire consequences to lying to the Spirit of God. Now here's a question. Can you lie to electricity? Mm. So I, that, I don't believe in you, electricity. I see the light switch on the wall. I don't believe in you, electricity. Well, you think it cares? <laughs> it's, still, it's still flowing because yeah. the switch is on. You can say to moving water, you can lie to it and say, uh, well, you know, you're not water, you're something else. Uh, you can tell a lie to the wind, and it's not going to care because these are impersonal forces. But the Holy Spirit is a person, and there's there were consequences to the actions because... They were dealing with a living being with a mind, will, and emotions. 
so that's the, that's the point of the passage of Scripture as it pertains to the Holy Spirit, uh, that the Spirit, I think you can make an argument from this passage of Scripture, not only that is that the Spirit is a person, but the Spirit is, in fact, God. Did I lose you? No, I'm here now. <laughs> Boy, I tell you what, the devil is fighting us hard and heavy tonight. <laughs> From getting this thing streamed and now trying to... <laughs> oh, my goodness. Glitch. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so then I'm, I'm just... Let's just go into the next one. What are the difficulties in understanding the Holy Spirit? I think, I think there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of two two things that I think of right off the bat is there's a preconceived notion and there's a um, a uh, you could say a church identification that then is over it Me- meaning meaning is <laughs> <laughs> is he your crazy backwoods cousin or is he the actual power of the living, true, breathing God that's within you? For lack of better words. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I think there are there are uh, difficulties in uh, in understanding the Holy Spirit for sure. Uh, I was looking through some of Millard Erickson's uh, commentary, I mean not commentary, his systematic theology and preparation for this podcast, and uh, he, he brought up some points, and I and I use some of his points, but I kind of adapt them also uh, with some additional points of my own, and I think you brought up a, a couple of good things there, too. Um, if I were to kind of systematize all of this together, I would look at it in four different ways. I think, first of all, we, would, we could say that uh, there is a problem in understanding the Holy Spirit because of the immaterial. You know, when we talk about Jesus— you know, unless the Shroud of Turin is the actual grave cloth of Jesus, which I believe it, it is, um, it, but if, if it wasn't, then we really don't have a clear picture as to what Jesus looked like. But we can, we can kind of have a notion as to what Jesus may have looked like. Now, if the Shroud of Turin is, in fact, um, the uh, actual grave cloth of Jesus, then we have the very first selfie in history. Uh, quite frankly, you know, because because we would have had we would have an image of who Jesus was or what he looked like. The Father, we can even kind of have a grasp on him because he's identified with Yahweh in the Old Testament, the I Am, who I am. He's known by many other names, El Shaddai, and uh, um, and many others. Uh, was it El Tzaka? I think the. Uh, uh, I think maybe that's one I may be mispronouncing that. Or Elohim, we could say Elohim is another word, another word used for God. We can identify the Father with these terms, but when it comes to the Holy Spirit, He seems a whole lot more like an abstract concept. It's it's kind of more difficult to kind of pin Him to something, you know, because. Because, uh, well, even, like, for instance, the Father, you have the name Yahweh. For Jesus, you have, well, for the Son, you have the name Jesus, Yeshua. For the Holy Spirit, you have Holy Spirit. I mean, it's just, <laughs> it's not really a, a name per se. is is kind of more of a connection as to who 
who he is. So that that can pose a problem with understanding the immaterial basis of the Holy Spirit. The second is the lack of a recognizable name, as we mentioned. You know, you have Yahweh, you have Jesus, uh, you have a, a a Holy Spirit or the Holy Spirit. It, it causes some difficulties. Um, the third thing is that the position of the Holy Spirit causes difficulties for some people. Um, you know, we we have the mindset that bigger is better, and you know, all that type of thing. But but because the Spirit fulfills the will of the Father and Son, some think that He is inferior to the other two members. But that's not necessarily the case. Um, the Spirit humbly abides by the will of the Father and Son, and does not make that doesn't make Him any less God. I mean, it's kind of almost like we have this viewpoint that you've got to be you know, audacious, and you've got to be um, the top dog to be important. But the Spirit of God, really, you could say, shows us humility by uh, listening and, and flowing from the Father and Son. And then uh, also you have extreme versions of cessationism, which have uh, caused some to discredit, discredit, discredit pneumatological studies to some degree. Uh, but this just shouldn't be the case. You know, we... Uh, we have uh, have argued, and we will continue. I'm sure, uh, unless something's changed over the summer, Curtis. I don't know about, <laughs> but we've kind of both held to a, a version of mild, uh, mild version of continuationism. Uh, but even if a person holds to a mild version of cessationism, that doesn't make that mean that a person is uh, that shouldn't make a person believe that the Holy Spirit is inactive. Uh, because the Holy Spirit is active in our lives, we should all desire to learn more about the Holy Spirit and His work in the church and in creation. So these are some of the reasons, I believe, that some people have a harder time identifying or, or linking, attaching to the Holy Spirit um, as they do necessarily other people, other persons of the triune Godhead. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, um, you could say there's there's abuses on both sides of the aisle of the holy spirit you know um that that um really have create the difficulties oh yeah uh, create the um create the the mindset that um you know the division i should just say it, it just creates a division and that's not the um that's not what the holy spirit is the holy spirit it, it, was said by Jesus. He says, he says, stay here, stay here in Jerusalem. Right. And he says, uh, when I leave, I'm going to send you a helper. Mm -hmm. a, a, a helper. And so it's not a divider, a helper. So I think that's important for us to kind of grasp. I agree wholeheartedly. So then why is it, Brian, why is it important to study the Holy Spirit uh, and pneumatology um, in general? Well, I think that there are several reasons uh, for, for why we should uh, study the Spirit and pneumatology. Um, for, for, uh, for the sake of time, we'll just limit it down to three. Uh, first and most importantly, the Spirit is the person of the Trinity, if you think about this, who is most directly involved in our relationship with God. Now, we have a relationship with the Father. We have a relationship with Jesus. But that's we're unified to them to a certain degree as that salvation is applied to our hearts and lives through the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus even tells us as much. 
because he talks about how the Holy Spirit is the paraclete, uh, the the one who comes alongside us and helps us when he when he leaves he's he's sending the Holy Spirit uh, on his behalf. So if you really think about it, the Spirit of God is the one who's most actively involved in our our covenant relationship with the Triune God. Uh, we can't stand face to face with the Father and live. The Bible tells us that uh, we could see a vision of the resurrected Jesus. Um, you know, people have had near-death experiences and seen the risen Jesus. People have had visions of the risen Jesus. That's not to say it couldn't happen, but it's not uh, It's not the regular modus operandi of that God uses all the time. Now, He can and He does, but that, we don't, we, that don't happen every day. Uh, the, the person we most interact with is the Holy Spirit, so it's important for us to understand who the Holy Spirit is, what He does in our lives, how He interacts with us, um, and even to help us even test the spirits. Uh, second, as Millard Erickson has noted in his Christian Theology book on page 72, he says, We live in a period in which the Holy Spirit's work is more prominent than any other of the other members of the Trinity. The Father still rules from on high. The Son is still advocates for His people. But it's the Spirit's presence that is tabernacled with us uh, since the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit is the one insane Shekinah glory. Think about that now, if you will. That Shekinah glory who rushed in uh, to the temple and to the Holy of Holies. That same presence of God tabernacles with us, uh, lives and abides with us in our hearts, uh, in our lives. And He he just that's, he empowered the prophets of old. He empowers us today. So while we direct our attention to the Father and Son, and that's what the Spirit wants because He directs us to the Son, He directs us to the Father, uh, we must also understand the humble work of the Holy Spirit. Third and finally, it's the Holy Spirit who we experience when we have personal encounters with God outside of special visions and unusual events. We now live in the age of the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. So, therefore, since the Holy Spirit is most involved in our relationship with God, He's the one that tabernacles with us, He's the one we experience the most, then it certainly stands to reason that we need to take time to get to know the Holy Spirit and His work. And in this in this study, that's what we hope to do as we talk about the personhood, His personhood, His work, uh, the gifts He gives us. Curtis, this is, this is something that I find fascinating. Some people don't realize that the Holy Spirit gives us all gifts. Um, your gift is different than my gift. My gift is different than yours. Now, we want to place on this pedestal certain gifts and look down on other gifts, but all of them are important. All of them are very extremely important, and the Spirit of God gave it to us for a reason and for a purpose, and we need to relish in the gifts that the Spirit of God gives us. Uh, we'll talk about that. We'll talk about His anointing, His indwelling. Uh, we're going to take also time. Now, for some people, it may be a little boring, but I find it fascinating. Uh, the history of the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, just as we when we studied Christology, we saw some uh, heretical views pertaining to the, the Holy Spirit, some, some wacky views out there. Well, I'm sorry, when we were talking about Christ, so we saw some wacky views out there about Him. There were also some wacky views of the Holy Spirit. And so um, that's we're going to talk about all this and a lot more. Next week, we're going to talk about the divine nature of the Holy Spirit. 
and hopefully uh, our technology will work a little bit better for us next week than what it's tried to this time. <laughs> yeah, so, well, you know, that, that wraps up a really good cap on just giving a brief overview of everything that we want to cover. Um, I want to encourage our listeners to, you know, maybe if they're, if they're doing, going along with this, um, take some notes and, uh, and create yourself a, a discussion point to be able to go back and talk with people that you're involved with, or even ask us on bellatorchristi.com and, and just engage. Um, I think it's, I think it's very important. So, um, we here at Bellator Christi want to thank you for spending time together with us, and we value that time. Our prayers at this podcast help stretch your mind and is a place to strengthen your faith as we strive to create an atmosphere of discussion and to become a reliable source of information. Join us next time on the Bellator Christi podcast. And until next time, Brian and I say, so on, friends. friends. You've been listening to the Bellator Christi podcast with Brian Chilton and Curtis Evelo. This podcast is an exclusive production of Bellator Christi Ministries and is protected under Creative Commons copyright, all rights reserved. The views expressed on this podcast may not reflect the opinions of Bellator Christi Ministries and its affiliates. We thank you for listening and hope you'll consider leaving a positive review. To see more from Bellator Christi Ministries, go to bellatorchristi.com.